Welcome to the Church for Dummies podcast, where we explain church history and ecclesiology to dumb people like us. Now here are your hosts, Josh Whitney and Isaac Thibodeau. Sorry, guys. This is going to be a very unique episode for us. Yeah, because I'm we excited. we are like we're going in, guns a blazing, hopped up on church history talk and uncaffeinated yeah. coffee. Yeah, we're gonna do a unusual episode. Oop, I just hit the microphone. We're gonna oh, do it. Wasn't un- me this time. <laughs> Celebration. <laughs> we're gonna do an unusual episode, and we are just gonna talk about Jesus. Yes, but. But different Jesuses. The Jesuses of different churches. The Jesuses of different churches. That'll be the title of this episode. <laughs> Hopefully well, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> because so, the, the statement in of itself is an oxymoron, and we kind of want to dive into that because there are a lot of different uh, cults out there, a lot of different religions out there, a lot of different people. I mean, really, even in our own churches that say like, no, I confess Jesus. And then you talk to them a little bit more and you start realizing, I think we're talking about a different person. Um, Because one of the great things uh, of the commandment, and we talked about this in our bonus episode we did um, at this point when you're listening, probably a couple of weeks ago, um, we went into, um, oh gosh, I immediately lost my train of thought. Um, uh when the Great Commission is um, go into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father, Holy, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Um, and that ha- has to do with everything that he has commanded us. And so you start talking to someone and they start talking about... Um, start talking about things that don't line up with what the biblical account of Jesus is and what the Old Testament said the Messiah would be and what the epistles, which we believe to be the word of God, God breathed, theanustos, um, they disagree with what that says of who Jesus is. We're starting to talk about a different Jesus. But there's a, a good distinction. We were talking about it before we before we started about this. Uh, and why don't you, Isaac, kind of go into that distinction? Because there is a distinction to just say, different Jesus. Yeah. There's a slight distinction in there. Yeah, there is. We got to be careful um, when we say that. So when we're talking about Jesus, we need to make the distinction between his person, who he is, right, and his works, what he has done, is doing, and will do. Right. Because um, to give an example, and we'll flesh this out in a minute, um, Roman Catholics... Mm-hmm agree with Protestants as to the person of Jesus. We share the same creeds and confession yeah. as to who Jesus is. Yeah. Um, we believe that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, fully mm-hmm. God, fully man. Um, we confess the Trinity. We confess mm-hmm. that, that uh, God is Father, Son, and Spirit, same being, different persons. Which will be different distinctions in other groups of people that we talk about. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like with Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and other groups, yeah. um, they wouldn't even believe that. 
but right. Protestants and Roman Catholics and um, other Orthodox Christians in general just share that same foundation. Um, however, we would disagree on the works of what Jesus has done to some degree or another, depending on the tradition and whatnot. Right. But was Jesus' sacrifice sufficient once for all time, or was Jesus' sacrifice something that needs to be repeated constantly? Mm. Um, and things of that nature. You know, that has to do with the works of Jesus, even though we agree with the definition of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. He's not doing the same things in the right. same way. Right. As as one view or another. Um, but with the cults, we have a completely different issue where we actually aren't even talking about the works of Jesus yet. We're actually talking about the person of Jesus. Like, exactly. Hey, he's God. Right. He needs to be worshipped. <laughs> and a good clarification, too, is for for the Jehovah Witness, for the Mormon, for the other different, as much as they don't want to agree to it, different sects of Mormonism, which do exist, um, that... They say we are talking about the same person, work of personhood of Jesus. But when they say this is more common nowadays than it used to be 10 years ago, 15 years ago, Um, that used to be a very stark difference. But nowadays they'll say, no, we believe in the same Jesus. He was born, you know, born in. They say Bethlehem, but they're. Their book does say Jerusalem. Um, They'll say that he was the one prophesied in the Old Testament. They'll say that he was born of a virgin and all these different things. But but that's not the only thing we come to when we talk about the personhood of Jesus, like like Isaac just said. We're talking about more than that. We're not just talking about who is the who is a historical record of Jesus. We believe in that same Jesus. I'm like, well, you can take that a lot of different ways, but the personhood of Jesus goes beyond his birth as his incarnation taking on human flesh in our world here on earth. And it goes back further than that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we just opened up like three different avenues that we're going to break down a lot further. Um, But that's, that's kind of the opening thesis, if you will, the opening summary of what we're about to go into now. Yep. Cool. So where are we starting? (laughs) That is a great question. Um, I think it would be easier. So uh, this all to say, I have Mormon friends, um, people that I interact with on the internet um, who are Mormon. So I, and I don't have that many Jehovah Witnesses friends, but I also know people who are Catholic or um, have maybe not as an understanding of the differences between Protestant and Catholic. So I think it would be, I'm sorry to my Mormon friends, but I think it would be easier to start there because there is such a stark difference we can yeah. separate those sure. a lot more clearly because um, I, I love their heart. The more I've been talking to Mormons, their heart is unity, and I love that. Um, you know, they don't want to cause strife with you as you're talking to them, and I, and I love that um, on one hand. But then on the other hand, it's very hard to derive truth. Um, when we try and find too many similarities. So uh, I think in this one, we'll make that stark difference as to what those, especially those two major, which we believe to be cults, um, those two major streams believe, because even in of themselves, they don't believe in the same Jesus. They would disagree with each other on who Jesus is. Um, So why don't we start with those two specific ones? Then let's go to Catholicism. And I believe there are more, but I don't think we'll have time. (laughs) And I don't really know a lot about those other ones right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than Islam, I could talk a little bit about who they believe Jesus is in Islam. Sure, sure. 
Um, so, so yeah, yeah. So let's start with let's start with um, the eternality and deity of Jesus. So, um, so Jehovah's Witnesses they believe that Jesus is the first born, the first creation yep. of first Yahweh, and greatest creation of Yahweh. Right. So when they read a passage that we're going to read in a minute, Colossians chapter one. Yep. That said, in fact, why don't you read it? The Colossians chapter one. I was in Isaiah. Oh, look at you. Sorry. So I'm going to go over to Colossians. It's, it's very hard to, they try to, but it's very hard to argue with this. Once you start reading, if Jesus was the first create first and greatest creation of God, the father or Yahweh, this becomes very difficult. Yeah. So we're going to start in verse 15 and it says he being Christ, um, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Brief stop right there. Firstborn does not mean he was the first person born out of God. It is a status. It is yes. a household status. The firstborn is the one who has authority and uh, future control of all that the father he has. The has. Huh? Yes, the inheritance. Yes. Um, and that's why this is used. He wasn't the first kid of God. Right. So um, he's. I'll try not that's, to stop so much. An ignorance of first century culture to yeah. to interpret that as creation. Well, it says firstborn, like status. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he's the firstborn of all creation. For by him, again, Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, uh, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. That's a good place to stop right there. So for Jesus to be the first and greatest creation of Yahweh, this directly opposes that. And not just in a, I guess we could kind of see maybe some differences in, in thought there. This says that he is, that, um, that all things all things were created by him. And we kind of have this distinction in Reformed theology, all without distinction or all without um, uh, all without acceptance as far as who's to be saved. Um, and so I've heard some people use that argument here, but it's you you might be able to make that thing that statement to say all types of things, but it instantly gets way more specific that he says in heaven, and on earth. Okay, that narrows it down to maybe everything. Um, <laughs> visible and invisible. Yeah. Again, we're kind of narrowing down what we what the possibilities of all things are. Yeah. Whether thrones or dominions, rulers of authority. And then again, he finishes this verse, all things were created through him and for him. Um, and again, he is before all things as well. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. Right. He is the beginning, the fir- again, the firstborn of status from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Um, and we can continue going on and on and on. But the, the, the thought is he, all things were created by him, for him, and through him. And so it's hard to be the firstborn creation when all things have been created by and for you. Yeah. Exactly. So you can see how this would be a major 
it's kind of kind of pointless even to say major issue it's like it's not even it's just it's just not even the same thing like it's just not the same belief system like literally what it what it boils down to do you worship jesus as the only god yeah or do you not because if you don't worship jesus as god the only god because what are the ten commandments the the first three ten you shall uh, have no other gods before me make no graven images or idols he is a jealous God. Yeah. Nothing, nothing at all should be given worship that isn't God. Yeah, exactly. And there's one God, which is so clear in the Bible. And that's one thing that Jehovah's Witnesses understand is there is one God. Right. It's unlike the Mormons who believe that there are plurality, plurality of gods. Of gods. Some Yahweh just happens to be the God of, of this world Yeah. Uh, or this universe, however they like to say it. Um, so... Yeah, with Jehovah's Witnesses specifically, though, um, like you don't worship Jesus as God. It's a separate mm-hmm. entity, separate mm-hmm. being. Jesus is a separate being from Yahweh, mm-hmm. uh, in their view, and they don't worship Jesus as God. Yeah, that's a major issue because Jesus is our salvation, and Orthodox Christianity, historic Christianity, teaches that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He is God in the flesh, God incarnate, mm-hmm. and He is our salvation. And, and this gets into the works piece, um, which is if Jesus, like we have sin, we're sinners, and if we don't have an atonement for sin, yeah, then we're still guilty because God is holy and must judge sin. Um, if we don't have that atonement, then we don't have salvation. If we don't have his resurrection, we don't have new life and salvation. We need we need both of these things. If Jesus isn't God and he was just a good man, there isn't a way for that to apply to us legally. There's he's just one man. He could die for one man maybe, but not for all men. And there's there's so many other areas of this, but like we the historic view, the historic Christian view is that Jesus' sacrifice is the thing that has atoned for our sin. Mm-hmm. And only that, not our works. Yep. And that his resurrection is the thing that gives us new life through the power of the Spirit. If Christ hasn't been risen from the dead, then we are most to be pitied. Exactly. Yeah. It's like... These things are core and fundamental to Christianity and just the whole thing working in general. Um, yeah. If you remove who Jesus is, you lose his work. Yeah. And if you lose his work, you're degrading his person. Yeah. So it, got, it goes both ways. Yeah. Obviously, I would say the more serious issue is um, messing up who he is. Because at least if you have who he is right, it can self-correct. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But if you mess up his work and his person, or just his person, you're going to mess up the work, the foundation for the yeah. the work is the person of Jesus. Scripture is very clear as a whole. I mean, we just mentioned the the Ten Commandments, um, the, the Shema of Deuteronomy 6. Just reading that this morning. Yeah. yeah. Hero... I, 
I wish I could do it as cool as Jeff and Jeff Durbin and James White of Apologia and all those guys. They can quote it in Hebrew. I cannot. But hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Um, and when you read other scripture as well about his worship, um, when you read as unmistakably how Jesus himself claims to be God, that's the reason they wanted to kill him. The Pharisees didn't want to kill him as much as progressive Christianity talks about. They didn't want to kill him because he was a social revolutionary. <laughs> Whatever. There's oh, been social revolutionaries. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He, that When the Pharisees yelled blasphemy and picked up stones to stone Jesus, blasphemy doesn't mean you wicked social revolutionary. Blasphemy we hate meant... socialism. <laughs> yeah. Stop it, Jesus. Blasphemy... <laughs> is degrading and claiming to, uh, well, degrading God's name and declaring to be God. Um, it's not just sin. It's it's declaring to be God, um, which is why they picked up stones to stone him. So if he is God and he receives worship, which we see in scripture, um, and because uh, the reason I'm saying all this is some people might say, well, the, the concept of Trinity, concept, which is, the concept of the Trinity didn't even show up until was it the fifth century? Like that's when is that is I'm trying to remember my dates, but was it the fifth fourth century that um, they came up with? They actually like came out with a written oh, doctrine. That was the, the Nicene Nicene Creed. That was oh, three twenty five. Yeah, so fourth century. Yeah. yeah, the word was used before then. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It just wasn't formulated in an official way to combat picks heresy. But that's what everyone is like, well, the Trinity didn't come out until the Nicene uh, Creed. Yeah, sure, it's like, sure. well, no one wrote it out in a formal church document, but to read scripture. And like you said, people were mentioning Trinity before that. Um, to have God being one, to have only God receiving worship, to have Jesus receive worship, to pray through the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit also receives worship— these things dictate that there is a triune nature to the one God, um, which goes again goes against at least the two cults. So we talked about Jehovah's Witnesses. I can't think of anything else that I wanted to touch on in that regards. No, I, think I think we covered that. that very well. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the second one then moving on would be for the Mormon. Um, and for the Mormon, they they don't believe that Jesus was a necessarily a creation of God, but they believe um, that, and this is, again, you go back 10, 15 years ago, you'll find this very, uh, you'll find this very easily. Uh, nowadays, it's one of those doctrines that aren't taught so much to young Mormons. It's something that they find out later in life from what I've seen, but that um, God, the father, heavenly father um, had sex with one of his heavenly wives to produce Jesus in the pre-existence. Um, no? No. Oh, okay. You're doing... Oh, uh, I'm You're sorry. You're tapping on the table. I'm tapping. And it's... it's I can hear I it thought in the he was shaking his head no. Like, like, no, you're Josh, wrong, that's Josh. wrong. Stop it, stop it. No, no. Um, <laughs> it's just going to make editing this episode hard, so... Bang, bang, bang. Da, da, da. Um, I'm sorry. I apologize, everybody. I'm terrible with these mics either. As Hit you were it, talking about tap. sex. Yeah. Let, let me go back to sex. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um, so it is that Heavenly Father had sex with one of his earthly wives to produce Jesus. And that was all in the pre-existence. 
Um, and the the nature so much for virgin birth. So much for well, so heavenly uh, one of his heavenly heavenly mother was not Mary. This was somebody else in the pre-existence. Oh. It's interesting. Um, but mm. also as part of that, Satan is also produced from the hev- from Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. Um, so Jesus and Satan are brothers. Both had a plan to um both had a plan of, I believe, redemption for for the spiritual children in heaven. One of them involved um, one of them involved being brought down to earth. I, I, I'm so sorry if I'm messing this up. This part I'm actually not super clear on. So, uh, I am going off memory. This might not be exactly correct. So, um, you can always write to us and tell me how I aired and happy to talk about it. But one plan was for people come to come down to earth. Um, and Jesus would, um, die and, um, save his people and bring them back to the heavenly father. And Satan's plan, um, I do not remember. But that's why. It was a bad plan. It was a bad plan because they didn't go with it and he got kicked out. So. You get bad ideas, you get kicked out the team. Yep. So what we have then is God the Father being being God. Jesus being born in the preexistence being God. And and there are other gods. So the Holy Spirit would be another God. Mm. Um, it's crazy. There is a great place to go to called the Bible that would disagree with this, <laughs> but one specifically. I'm I'm sorry. I really that hate, was snarky. That was snarky. I I actually sincerely do want to apologize. I don't like those podcasts and people that make jokes about people and stuff. Some I'm sorry. Sometimes to, to be honest, it it just seems so far fetched to me. Sometimes I do make a joke, but I know that this means so much to people. But the the truth is, the Bible is just starkly opposed to that idea. Yeah, um, and that's why we have a Book of Mormon. Um, to be honest, but Isaiah forty three ten says, yeah. "You are my witnesses," declares the Lord, "and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any." after me um and i've heard some mormons make the argument then that what he's talking about is earthly gods you know that god is the only god there is no other earthly god that would be who god is but the problem is you can't you can't make that distinction with this text because what it says is before me no so what you what you're saying is before me there was no bail neither shall there be any bail after me but there was a bail <laughs> so that can't be what god was saying because he would be a blatant fool if that is yeah. what he was trying to say so clearly he's talking about there being other gods besides him there yeah. is not. Like, right, right, right. Like real gods. Yeah. Like He's real gods. There's, not there's hand-carved yeah, who you should point. worship because that doesn't... And again, when we talk about scripture, it has to fit into the text. You yeah. can't create a thought about the scripture and then just think about that thought outside of scripture. You have to put that thought into scripture. Right. And is what this person wrote what they meant when they wrote this. Right. And it's very clear that this can't be the case. Yeah, exactly. And really, to bring this kind of to a head... The whole point of what we're saying is like there there isn't a way that we can reconcile these and call 
people who reject um, the godhood of Christ, the deity of Christ, mm. and his saving work, sufficient saving work, as brothers. We can't do that because it's literally a different god. Like, mm-hmm. one, this group over here worships Jesus as God, the only God that yeah. has ever existed. Yeah. And this group doesn't. Yeah. It's like, those aren't reconcilable. Like, right. within the group of, hey, we worship Jesus, yeah, there's some differences amongst each other, but yeah, we're worshiping Jesus. Like, that's the goal, and it's the, we're worshiping him as God. Like, and there's and even there we have to go into the distinction distinction of the works yeah. of Jesus. But but nonetheless, like we have the right foundation at least. A Trinitarian that, God yeah. who is eternally existing. Right. And if you don't like the word Trinity, that's fine. It's just a word that the church came up with to describe what we see in the Bible. Yeah. That God is one. God has three distinct persons that interact with human history, and they are all part of the same one nature that deserves worship. Yep. Exactly. Awesome. So, the last part mm-hmm. was the works of Jesus, right? Yeah. So, like you were saying, we have a same foundation when we talk to our when we talk about our Catholic friends, um, and as far as the same confession of eternally existing trinitarian jesus is god he's not a different one all of those same things but when we come down to the theology of who that jesus is and what he did and what he um has done for us those works again not person those works seem to uh, are different yeah um than what we believe scripture teaches yeah exactly give an example so um when we look at different places like Romans 6, um, Hebrews 10, Hebrews 9, that Christ died. Do you have one of those pulled up? Mm-hmm. I Why do. You, I have all of them pulled have? up, actually. Every oh, okay. single one. Um, Romans 6, 10. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Romans seven twenty seven. 27. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That's Hebrews Hebrews 7, 27. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily for first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Mm. And there's another one I'm going to save for a little bit later. A little bit, little bit later. <laughs> so between those, between those two, there's, there's something very, very different between what us most, I would, when I say most, I mean, I mean any person who truly profess Christ to be Lord of their life. They, they believe that Christ, Jesus, died once on the cross and that in so doing was sufficient enough to cover their sin and justify them before God. So there would have to be no other thing done to... Uh, to have effective salvation for their soul. Um, now, that is not to say, I'm going to make this very brief, that is not to say that there is nothing required of them in this new salvation in the sense of um, those who love me fo- obey my commandments um, 
if uh, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. The Great Commission, go therefore, making disciples, teaching them all I've commanded you. Um, this new love requi- requires of us to, to um, do good works. Scripture says very clearly about how Christ has good works laid up for us. Um, so to say that they don't exist is wrong. But this, the sacrifice of himself on the cross once was sufficient enough for permanent salvation for the believer. Um, also, that second one of Hebrews makes the makes the um, comparison of the old high priest. The old high priest had to slaughter animals, a blood sacrifice, in order to um, atone for the sins of the people because that is what was commanded. Our new high priest was also the um, sacrifice, his blood spilt, and his death on the cross was sufficient enough for us. What we see in the Catholic Church um, is a sacrifice that was that was sufficient enough to give us grace. Sorry, uh, was sufficient enough. The table. Yep, <laughs> to give us grace. Ow! I just did it too. This is my ankle. <laughs> I'm struggling with how to say this too, and then my laughing is making it worse. Um, the Catholics believe that Jesus' death on the cross was sufficient enough grace to save us to, uh, how do I want to say that? To, um, because they don't believe that in and of itself it is enough for salvation to to be justified. Um, necess- necessarily. Right. Well, they, they would say... It is enough for God's favor, but it has to be appropriated to us exactly in by certain mechanisms. Mechanisms and without or means, those mechanisms or means, you you yeah. don't have that that grace. Right, right, and and to be fair, Protestants do have a mechanism and means by which that sacrifice is appropriated to us, and that's called faith. Yes, just mere faith. Right, just trust in God. Um, whereas. You could, in theory, have mere faith in God, and that wouldn't be enough because you need the sacrament or you need the ceremony, right? Ritual, and so in this, order for that to be applied to you, and that's a right. pretty big difference, right? Where um, for the sacrament for the Eucharist is the taking of mass, where the priest calls down the body of uh, calls down Christ to be offered as, and this is a big distinction, but distinction a bloodless sacrifice. So that um, by through the power of the Holy Spirit, the wine and bread get turned into the blood and body of Christ. And it is a continual calling down and a continuing sacrifice of Christ's body in a bloodless manner um, to, uh, to enact that means of grace um, that was applicable in his one death back then. So a distinction is one death sufficient for all as all meaning all sin f- forever through the means of faith and one me one needing Christ to be killed or sacrificed every mass and given to the people which based off of those two verses that or two passages we just read is starkly opposed but I know that you were saving some other mm-hmm. ones for a little bit later oh I'll, I'll say it now might as well say it now go for it so this is Hebrews 9 24 to 28. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, 
now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once and after this comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly await him. That which is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee Mm. of that salvation, which is so great. Yep. So, basically, this is the argument. I think it's pretty solid. Uh, (laughs) The... If you look at the old covenant, like the whole the whole argument of Hebrews here is saying like this new sacrifice is better. Jesus is better. That's the whole theme of Hebrews. Jesus is better. Jesus than is better. Fill in the blank. And yep. Jesus, as our high priest, is better than the high priest of old because he only needed to offer one sacrifice himself, whereas the other people needed to, re- to the other high priest needed to re- repeat that sacrifice. Let me. Mm. So let me ask you this. What would happen in the old covenant if the priest disobeyed and didn't offer the sacrifice? You would be killed. Yeah, you'd be killed. And <laughs> in theory, at least in the picture yep. of what that is, the sins wouldn't be forgiven. Right, right. Because there's no sacrifice. There's no sacrifice. The, the people would be uh, would be lost. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but the reason why this new, the whole argument of why this new covenant is better mm. with this new high priest is because we don't need to do sacrifices anymore mm. because Jesus was the once for all sacrifice. Mm. But with, with this teaching in the Roman church that this, that the mass is a continual sacrifice of Jesus, whether you know, whether or not you say um, it's, it's a, a repeat of the once for all sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross, whatever, like you're still having to do a sacrificial ceremony and you believe if you don't do this, that 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 you're not going to be saved because you need this sacrifice in order to be saved. Mm. You need to continually do the sacrificial ritual of the Eucharist in order yeah. to be saved. And it's like you're literally in the same position yeah. that the Old Testament people were in, where yeah. you had to continually do the sacrifice, otherwise your sins wouldn't be forgiven. Yeah, it, And it just completely destroys the argument that the author of Hebrews is making here. The once-for-all sacrifice is the reason the new covenant is better. Mm. And you're completely undermining that when you view the Eucharist, the Mass, as a continual sacrifice that you need in order to be saved. Mm. And uh, and in Galatians, that whole that whole letter um, of from Paul to the church in Galatia was that... <laughs> Sorry, you... I don't even know what that's called, but whatever the thing you just did, the cross. <laughs> oh my gosh. When I just hit the mic. Um, <laughs> falling apart here, man. Hoof. So in Galatians, uh, the whole the whole letter to the church of Galatia was that really the only evidence we get is that they were they were just enacting one aspect of the law. They were saying that you had to still be circumcised in order to uh, be saved to keep that part of the law. Paul wrote in the first chapter that anyone who preaches a 
different gospel than what he preached. So these people that were preaching this gospel of of circumcision still after Christ, they are to be anathema. They are to be damned. Um, this that we're talking about here is, I believe, way worse. We're talking about sacrificing Christ over and over and over and over. Hebrews 6, um, a little bit later on from what we read, talking about those who desert Christ, is saying that you're trying to crucify him again. And talks about you you can't crucify him again. He was already crucified. If you were to try and crucify him again, you're making the first one void. Mm-hmm. That you can't you can't do that. Yeah. And so we're trying in the Catholic tradition, they're they're crucifying Christ again in a bloodless manner, which is a, a big distinction. Um, in the covenant with Noah, uh, for man's blood to be shed, man's blood is what I require. Um, and in the whole Mosaic uh, um, sacramental law, blood is required for the sin. So to say that we require a bloodless sacrifice at the Mass is, I think, a way worse um, condition. And it is it is a very different means than when we talk about means of grace. Yep, exactly. So what we would say is, um, man, if you need you need to have the true Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the true Jesus is the Jesus of the Bible. And yeah. that would be, you need to know who he is mm. and what he has done. Mm. And you need that in order to to worship him properly and to have the right view of salvation. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's why we did this episode. It was kind of, uh, I don't know, a little different than uh, than our normal ones, but it was fun. It was That's very good. fun. That's These good. are the types of things, you know, life in 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 the church. These are things that directly influence, like, what do you teach in the church as a pastor? Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad that we were able to do this. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. So make sure to follow us on your favorite uh, podcasting platform or your unfavorite podcasting platform, as well as leaving a review on your favorite or least favorite podcasting platform, as long as you leave us a review. Yeah. And it's got to be five star. We it's don't care if you mean five it. Stars. Just- Make it a five star. Fake or real, just give it a five star. Yep. Later. (laughs) Deuces.